think they know we're here yet. <laughs> yeah, you see him scratching himself right there. I'm Lisa Morehouse, and this is season two of California Foodways. I'm traveling to every county in the state, finding stories about food, agriculture, and the people that make both possible. Today, I'm joined by reporter Angela Johnston in Merced County. It's the sweet potato capital of California. And as you taught me, Ange, Merced County is also ground zero for a scourge that could wreak havoc on sweet potatoes and the entire agricultural industry, Nutria. Yep, the Nutria is a 20-pound bucktooth rodent that can tear up crops and burrow into levees, destroying waterways. And it's got some farmers scared. Stan Silva hadn't even heard the word Nutria until a few months ago. Now, he's worried about the damage these critters could do in California, if not eradicated. It would be devastating. They can uh, basically ruin the ag industry here. They get in your fields, they burrow into your canalways, your waterways. Making the state's water infrastructure more vulnerable. Since 2017, these rodents have been spotted mostly in Merced County, but they're on the move, heading toward the San Joaquin Delta, the most critical piece of California's water system. They're just a menace. Nutria aren't native to California or the United States. Fur farmers brought the South American rodent to Southern California in the late 1800s as an attempt to make an affordable mink alternative. After multiple attempts, the Nutria fur business never took off, but the rodents went feral. California's Department of Food and Agriculture determined them eradicated in the 1970s. Last year, a few were spotted again in Merced County, and they're multiplying. Stan's son Aaron tells us even though he's worried about Nutria, he's never seen one. Angela shows him a picture. So that's a Nutria, little varmint-looking thing, like a rat. Almost looks like your dog, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> the Silvas take us on a tour of their sweet potato packing facility. They've actually given away thousands of pounds because, get this, what's most at threat for the Silvas, their sweet potatoes, just happen to be unlikely weapons in the fight against the Nutria. Nutria love sweet potatoes. We'll tell you a little more about that in a minute. Our family's been here since uh, the early 1900s, and we've been in sweet potatoes all my life. Stan Silva's grandparents came to the Central Valley from the Azores and Lisbon and Portugal and started farming on small plots. Now, the Silvas grow sweet potatoes on 850 acres and supply the largest retailers in the country. We're going to the back here where the bagging takes place. To the huge gyro machine that processes 30 bags of sweet potatoes in a minute. That's where Stan's grandson, Ruger, is in charge. Forgive me, but you don't look like you're old enough to have such a big role in a company like this. I'm only 18, but I, my dad had a heart attack, so I had to come back and help with everything. In the summer of 2018, 44-year-old Aaron Silva had a massive heart attack that left him hospitalized for a month. Stan explains what his grandson did. He left college to come back to help on the ranch until his father gets further along here. Oh my God, that's so yeah. moving. I know. It really is. 
part of how the Silva family's getting through this crisis, making jokes. When I tell Aaron he doesn't look like he just had a heart attack, he says, I look better than my son. <laughs> Aaron's still recovering from a brain injury that was a side effect of the heart attack. He says he can't remember longtime customers' names or faces. His dad can't resist taking a crack. The only thing he didn't forget was his two-hour lunch breaks. He still takes two-hour lunch breaks. But Aaron says he didn't lose any memory of the process of farming and packing sweet potatoes. Farming's in his blood, and he doesn't want anything, including nutria that are living just miles away in marshland, to threaten it. I don't think they know we're here yet. My co-reporter Angela and I are out with biologist Sean McCain at a pond near the Merced River. We're getting our first peek at a nutria. It looks like a cross between a rat and a beaver with webbed feet and big orange buck teeth. Just Google it. Yeah, you see him scratching himself right there. We're going to keep watching to see if what the nutria do. Oh, yeah. I think there's one swimming around. Sean's the Department of Fish and Wildlife's only nutria biologist. And his mission, nutria eradication. Is that one right there? I there yep, one. I think we're looking at one right there. See that? There he is. Since Sean first saw a family of nutria here, he's been coming back to this spot near Snelling off the Merced River almost every day to spy on these guys. He's noticed something else, too. This, I've been watching um, the vegetation actually recede away from uh, the middle of the pond. Nutria can eat up to 25% of their body weight in one day. They munch on the roots of green duckweeds, cattails, and tule reeds. If they clear-cut an entire marsh like this one, they put all the birds and frogs and other species that depend on it at risk. So the nutria are eating, like, this has changed rapidly yeah. because yeah, of Yeah, just, just in the last few weeks, yeah. They've been feeding in this pond pretty significantly. Um, on camera, we've got at least one family unit, potentially multiple family units. Because they like to burrow, nutria can erode the land around these swamps. They can even destroy levees. The nutria problem is potentially so big that Fish and Wildlife is pulling staff from all over the state for on-the-ground training, setting up cameras and traps. Just yeah, watch your staff. It takes a while to get your marsh legs. <laughs> I join Sean and his team as they wade into chest-deep water to set up a platform to learn nutria. They yank reeds out of the marsh to make a little nest. And slice a sweet potato for bait. It turns out Nutria love its color and taste. And we try to make it visually appealing that will hopefully attract Nutria to the platform so we can get them on camera. With the help of these sweet potatoes, the state identified the location of hundreds of Nutria. When we climb out of the marsh, Sean plugs an SD card from one of the wildlife cameras into his laptop and shows Lisa a video. There we go. Those are adult nutria. And that one just stole our sweet potato. Oh, there's so oh, many there's of them. There's... Yep. So it looks like two adults to me, and then it looked like it could have been the pups moving up. There are the pups. So it looks like one, two, three, four, five. And oh, there's a sixth one moving up into the view. Yep. They're there. They're there. Now that the team's confirmed a big family of nutria in this swamp, they'll send in trappers who will set traps all over the area to start to eradicate this population one by one. In 2018, they trapped nearly 350. 
It's part of a larger eradication plan taking place at the Nutria Incident Command Center at an old hunting check station near Los Banos. So this, this is a runway trap. Greg Gerstenberg holds down the fort here. He's the incident command chief for the Nutria Task Force. He's showing me the different traps they have in this huge metal shed out back. An animal comes in and it walks through and it shuts. On the walls of the command center, maps of the Central Valley and Delta are covered with pink and yellow and blue dots, showing where Nutria have been spotted and where they suspect they'll be. These maps help people like Sean determine where to set cameras and traps, and it tells them where they should pull their scarce resources from one area and move to another, like the vulnerable Sacramento-San Joaquin Delta. So our goal is to keep them out of the Delta, to protect the levees, the wetlands of the Delta, and try to get them when they're still in this marginal habitat If the nutria start breeding there in large numbers, they could erode levees and compromise the state's water infrastructure and farmland. If fish and wildlife can't stop the nutria in time... Ag farmers would probably start to see their effect along the the edges of wherever there's water. Canal systems would have burrows into the canals and the potential to affect their um, integrity of the canals. In 2017, a trapper unintentionally caught a nutria while he was looking for beaver and called up Greg. And said, hey, I think I trapped a nutria. And I was thinking at the time, what's a nutria? So he Googled it, had the guy bring it in, and they did an autopsy. And it was a pregnant female. So we knew that this wasn't the only one. There had to be at least one more out there. Turns out, in just over one year, one female nutria and her offspring can have up to 200 babies. So Greg had to get on it fast. Fish and Wildlife opened this command center in March of 2018. They trained dozens of other state employees at this command center to learn the basics, like how to identify one. This is our freezer where we store animals. That was something found on the road, so... Here we have a nutria. In the deep freeze out back, Greg rummages around for frozen nutria. He pulls out nutria heads with giant orange buck teeth and bottles of their urine, helpful for trapping. They're keeping these for training. They're also looking to how other states have dealt with the problem. Greg's modeling California's efforts off of Chesapeake Bays. Where they had nutria and they have successfully eradicated them. He's hoping we don't get anywhere close to what's happening in Louisiana. The nutria problem is so out of control there, the state's offering a bounty to hunters for every nutria they kill. It's because of that reality that Merced County sweet potato farmers like the Silva family have been donating their crops to help eradicate nutria. In 2018, the Silvas gave away five tons of their sweet potatoes to fish and wildlife. They're safeguarding their livelihood and showing up for their larger agricultural family the way they do for their own. When his son Aaron had that near-fatal heart attack a few months ago, Stan Silva says they pulled together. It's frightening. Sobering. you got to have faith. And despite health problems or threats to their farm, this family says it isn't going anywhere. That's it for this episode of California Foodways. The story was reported and produced by me, Lisa Morehouse, and Angela Johnston, and mixed by Gabe Graven. 
Versions of the story first aired on KALW's Cross Currents and KQED's The California Report magazine. The theme music is by Takanobu. We received support from FERN, the Food and Environment Reporting Network, and from California Humanities, a nonprofit partner of the National Endowment for the Humanities. You can learn more at calhum.org. Subscribe to California Foodways on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts, and follow CA Foodways on social media and visit our website, californiafoodways.com. <laughs>